from KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Hanukkah has begun and we're two weeks away from Christmas. And as we celebrate the holidays, we face the challenge of how to do that and keep ourselves, our loved ones, and people we may not even know safe from coronavirus, which is surging across the country. Hospitals are caring for the highest number of COVID patients they've seen since the pandemic began. Our healthcare professionals are stretched thin and stressed out. In this episode of Straight Talk, we examine the current COVID crisis, how it's impacting our hospitals and healthcare heroes, and how we can all do our part to help. We'll also talk about the anticipated arrival of a COVID vaccine. I'm pleased to welcome my guests, the president and CEO of the Oregon Association of Hospitals and Health Systems, Becky Holtberg, and the chief executive of Providence Portland Medical Center, Krista Farnham. Thank you both for joining us. It's great to have you here. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having us. Krista, we'll be talking with you in just a few minutes in our next segment. Right now, we'll begin with Becky. And Becky, in a nutshell, how would you describe the current coronavirus crisis we're facing in Oregon? You know, the last month has been a bit difficult as we have seen hospitalization rates climb significantly in Oregon. You know, we've been watching these numbers. Um, we have been very concerned about the rate of growth. And while our, our facilities can handle the number of patients they have today, that growth trajectory needs to change or we will be in a state of crisis. And here is a look at the latest COVID case numbers as of this taping on Thursday. Since the first of this month, Oregon has reported more than 200 deaths. 1,110 Oregonians have died throughout the pandemic, and we're seeing well over 1,000 new cases every day, with a state total of more than 88,000. Almost 13,000 cases of that 88,000 have been reported this month in December alone. There are 580 people in Oregon hospitalized right now with COVID. Becky, what's the outlook for these numbers in the coming weeks? You know, it's really hard to project. We can just we can look at the data we have today and project it forward. Now, if you'd asked me this question last week, I would have said we are on an exponential growth trajectory that has to change or we will be in crisis. We may be seeing a slight plateauing of those numbers, which would be really good news, but that, that is really hard to sustain and the numbers can change very quickly. So we cannot take as even a small plateau for granted. We have to continue to be vigilant. Well, that is encouraging news. What is the most important message you hope viewers will take away from this interview? We are in a dark winter. We are in a tunnel, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we want all of us to be there um, at the point in time when we can get a vaccine and we can look at COVID in the rearview mirror. Now that is gonna take all of us doing our part over the coming months until we can get to that point where everyone who wants a vaccine has access to one. You said that we do have beds available. What can you tell us about hospital capacity in Oregon in general and in the Portland metro area? What kind of shape are we in? Sure, I, our hospitals are taking care of every patient who comes in their doors. Uh, I think it's important to talk when we talk about hospital capacity to recognize that not all hospital beds are the same. Sometimes you see large numbers about hospital capacity, but in fact, a pediatric unit and an oncology unit are very different types of units. And not all of those units are appropriate places for COVID patients. 
So when we're talking about capacity, we really need to look at the type of bed. We need to look at whether there are staff who are able to take care of the patient in that bed. And particularly, we need to look at the units that are most specialized in taking care of COVID patients. What is your biggest concern when it comes to a surge and hospital bed capacity? Well, I think the, the concern is, is, first of all, that will we have enough staff uh, to, manage that, to manage a surge? Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were thinking about things like PPE and physical space. Now the real issue is staffing. When this pandemic is, is this wave of the pandemic is really happening across the entire country at once. And that's a challenge because earlier in the pandemic, we could have brought staff in from other places. Now, um, the entire country is seeing the same wave and that those staff are not available. We have to manage this with the resources and the staff that we have in the state right now. So if we continue to see hospitalizations, our hospitals are going to have to do things like cutting back on elective procedures, which some of them have done already. Um, people who come into the hospital may find that it looks a little different if the hospitals are at capacity. So we want people to continue to seek care, but recognize that in a really challenging circumstance, that care might look a little bit different. We're going to talk more about how the crisis is impacting healthcare workers in our next segment, but you mentioned elective surgeries. Can you tell us what's happening there? When you and I talked at the beginning of the pandemic, that was a concern because they had been postponed. Are they delayed in many areas right now? No, the good thing right now is that hospitals are managing this on a, a facility by facility and a region by region basis. Hospitals know how to manage capacity. So when they get to a point where they're concerned about a capacity constraint, they may cut back on the elective procedures done in that facility. We don't want that to happen because elective does not mean unnecessary. And we saw earlier in the pandemic when we put a pause on elective procedures, in some cases there were not good outcomes for patients. And so we feel like it's really important to preserve our capacity so that everyone who needs care can get it and we're not having to put off important things. And you touched on this just a bit about emergency care. I know you want people to seek emergency care if they need it. Have you heard stories of people not seeking care because of the COVID crisis, because of fears? You know, we know that that happened earlier in the pandemic. We hope that's not happening now. Um, during the summer, we, we worked on a campaign to encourage people to seek care. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was scary. People thought that, you know, hospitals were the place where COVID patients went, so I don't want to go there. Uh, in fact, hospitals are very safe. We, we want people to seek urgent care because we know that when you put off things, sometimes outcomes are worse. So it's important for people to realize that hospitals are there to care for them. And that even though we are working on managing hospital capacity, even though we're raising the alarm, that does not mean that you should not seek care at your local emergency department. In Oregon, we're in a new phase of restrictions based on the surge numbers in each county. The Portland metro area is in the extreme risk category. Do you support the governor's current restrictions? Or do you think they're enough? You know, throughout the pandemic, we have supported the governor's restrictions. There may be details that we differ on, uh, but overall, we are happy that when we have seen times where the virus is growing exponentially, the governor has acted. And so overall, I, I, I think I can best characterize it as we have supported the governor's restrictions. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean we might not do um, something different here or there, but we do think that she has responded when she needed to. And if you look at the data, Oregon is one of the best performers in the country 
in terms of cases per capita and deaths per capita. And what advice do you have for people about celebrating the holidays? You know, this is such a hard thing because holidays are time for gathering. You know, we gather with friends, we gather with family, uh, and, and it's going to look different this year. And so, you know, my, my concern is that we're going to let our guard down. And that in letting our guard down and having that one gathering um, and going to that to that small uh, event that we're going to see exponent that we're going to see spread and we're going to have a very, very tragic and difficult January. So what I'd like people to know is that, you know, there is hope on the horizon with a vaccine. We just need to tough it out for a few more months. It's been hard and this holiday season is going to be hard for a lot of people, but we will get there and we want to get there together with as many lives saved as possible. Another development in the news in the last 10 days, Governor Brown released her proposed budget for the next two years as the state faces challenges from the wildfires of September and the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. Her budget includes cuts, which will also impact Oregon hospitals. Now, you've had some time to look into what the reductions will mean for hospitals and health care. How big are these cuts? How much money are we talking about and what kind of impacts are we looking at? You know, I would refer you to the governor's numbers. Um, they are in the hundreds of millions of dollars uh, of reductions. Uh, we, it's difficult to quantify because quite honestly, there are so many different places in the budget that could potentially negatively impact hospitals. It is easily in the hundreds of millions of dollars though. And if you had asked me at the beginning of 2020, if we would be in the middle of a pandemic and that we would see hospitals cut in the middle of that pandemic, I mean, that is not even a scenario I could envision. So we really strongly believe that this is the wrong approach during a once in a lifetime public health emergency, that now is the time um, to uh, provide, to have a state budget that provides for strong hospitals. It is the absolute worst time uh, to cut hospital funding. The governor has said part of a state's budget shortfall comes from an additional 150,000 Oregonians joining the Oregon Health Plan. And she said that increased enrollment has created a more than $400 million budget gap. Let's listen to what the governor said earlier. Let me be very, very clear. This budget doesn't put enough money into our schools. It doesn't make the investments in public health we need. It's a budget built on sacrifice and hard choices. The governor calls for sacrifice, and there may be some people listening who say, well, big health systems, they should be able to afford to take the hit. What's your response to that? Well, I think, first of all, this is not a budget that requires sacrifice universally. It requires a few areas to sacrifice greatly, and unfortunately, hospitals are one of them. Uh, many of our hospitals have not financially recovered from the crisis they experienced in the spring, big and small hospitals. When we think about hospitals, it's easy to think about the large ones that I think and the perception of those large ones is being able to absorb the cut. I would say some of those large hospitals are struggling financially, but also say that the hospitals we are concerned about are also um, small rural hospitals and medium sized hospitals. We don't talk about them as much, but they're nevertheless going to see dramatic effects from this budget. Well, this isn't the final word. This is just the governor's proposal. It has a long process to work its way through the legislature. What happens next in the budget process? What's your strategy? 
Well, the governor proposes the budget, but ultimately it's the legislature that writes it and approves it. And so we will be communicating directly with legislators, encouraging them to support hospitals um, during a pandemic, especially those hospitals um, that care for vulnerable populations. We've had conversations with legislators. We will continue those conversations. And we hope at the end of the process that the budget does recognize that supporting hospitals in a pandemic is critical. Thank you, Becky. We need to take a break. But coming up, we'll continue our conversation with Becky Holtberg and the chief executive of Providence Portland Medical Center. Krista Farnham joins us. We'll look at how the surge in COVID cases is affecting our healthcare workers and the outlook for a vaccine. We're back after this. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. We're taking a closer look at the coronavirus crisis and how it's impacting hospitals and healthcare workers. Welcome once again to my guest, the CEO of the Oregon Association of Hospitals and Health Systems, Becky Holtberg. And we also welcome now Krista Farnham, the Chief Executive of Providence Portland Medical Center. Thanks again for being here. And Krista, I asked Becky this earlier, but how would you describe what we're facing right now in this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Becky outlined it well. Um, certainly we um, are concerned. You know, the Oregon Health Authority reported yesterday that um, COVID-19 hospitalizations uh, during the week of November 30th uh, through uh, December 6th increased by 24%. And we have certainly felt this increase uh, here at Providence Portland Medical Center. Uh, since mid-November, you know, our COVID volumes have become a bit of a moving, moving target you know, ranging from anywhere from eight new uh, patients a day to, to 20 new patients in one day. And to give that a little perspective, a typical nursing unit is about uh, 24 patients. So we've actually seen an increase uh, in the course of one day of an entire nursing unit here at Providence Portland. Um, in, the in the past few days, I'm, I'm very uh, pleased to report that we've seen that number drop back down. Um, to a more manageable level, uh, which which is uh, very good news. But but we need to keep uh, we need to keep our diligence uh, in uh, in our masking, our social distancing, and our washing our hands. Well, let's hope those numbers keep dropping. We just got some breaking news as of Thursday afternoon that the FDA has just given emergency authorization to the Pfizer vaccine. So let's talk about the vaccine. It's given people a lot of hope after enduring nine months of the pandemic. Oregon is expecting nearly 150,000 vaccines to arrive soon with healthcare workers at the front of the line to receive them. Krista, what can you tell us about when you'll get them at Providence, how many you'll get and who will get them first? Yeah, you know, I think um, certainly all the data on both uh, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine is solid um, and they are safe and effective. And uh, we are actively working on our plans for our first round of, of vaccine. Uh, and I have been assured by our infectious disease uh, medical director at Providence, uh, Portland, Dr. Justin Jin, that he will be first in line. Um, uh, so we will begin vaccinating our healthcare workers, those who are at high, highest risk, um, those who are, who are pro providing uh, direct patient care to COVID patients uh, will be uh, first. And we expect to hopefully be doing that um, in the next week. Well, it's coming up soon. Becky, can you give us insight into other hospitals plans? I think all hospitals are doing the, the same thing that, that Krista just explained. They are readying their plans. They are talking about how they're going to manage this logistically in their facility. 
You know, it is really amazing that we are 11 months into this uh, pandemic and we have a vaccine. Uh, it is it is extraordinary. And I know the last year has felt incredibly long, but uh, I just want to to shout out to all the scientists who have worked on this and you know to oha and and the folks at the hospitals who are beginning to work on how they're going to distribute this vaccine potentially as early as next week that's very exciting krista do you see this as the beginning of the end of the pandemic how much hope do you have for it uh you know i i absolutely have hope um you know uh, every time we discharge a COVID patient um, from the hospital we, we play the song, um, Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. And every time I hear this song, it just reminds me that we're taking excellent care of patients and that someone is going home and it gives me hope for the future. And I think we have a lot of positive news on the horizon with the vaccine. Um, and so we have a lot to look forward to in this coming year, um, but it won't happen overnight. Uh, so, you know, we really need to continue our due diligence and taking care of our frontline uh, healthcare workers, um, and we do this the best by making sure that we are continuing to mask, distance, and washing our hands. But I think there's a lot of hope for our future this next year. And how has Providence been preparing for the last nine months for this this surge that's going on? What are your surge plans? I know you've gotten some new tents in for for emergency. Yeah, we have a, a number of strategies that uh, we work uh, uh, kind of. They're all connected uh, to one another. But I see the three major strategies that we use in order to increase our capacity is really we have the benefit of um, eight hospitals in Oregon who can work together. Uh, you know, uh, as Providence Portland really saw a significant increase in our COVID patient, positive patients um, coming through our emergency department, we were able to quickly partner with our other hospitals in Oregon and we actually transferred some of our patients from Providence Portland to our other Providence hospitals. Uh, you know, just incredibly grateful for the leadership team coming together. It truly is a team effort when we think about how we increase our capacity uh, in Oregon. We also, uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the emergency department tents are a good example. We, we open additional uh, care locations. Um, the tents are a good example. They, uh, you know, certainly serve uh, two purposes. One is to help expand the ability for us to social distance in our emergency department waiting room. And uh, they also provide additional treatment areas should we need it. Uh, we have other examples of how we have taken um, what we call uh, alternate care locations and, tra and uh, transitioned them into medical surgical units. And then finally, uh, you touched on this earlier, um, but we have reduced our surgical volumes. Uh, we have limited our surgical volumes to urgent and emergent cases only at this time. I think if we do continue to see a little bit less demand for our acute admissions, uh, we should be able to, to manage our capacity for surgery a little better. So if we have a little less COVID volume, we can increase our surgery a little bit, but if we have a little more COVID volume, we need to to decrease our, our surgical volume. Let's talk a little bit about staff morale. We talked with a critical care doctor at the Oregon Clinic who's been caring for COVID patients, and he said it can be taxing, as you well know. He was candid about how he's feeling. Here's what Dr. Rhett Cummings told us. I wouldn't be telling you the truth if I didn't say that um, I suffer from a certain degree of burnout. I, I personally have to remain really diligent about what I do uh, when I'm not at work. 
uh, and trying to take care of myself there so I can come back to work and be the best you know, doc I can be for these folks. Becky, from what you've been hearing, how tough is this for our Oregon healthcare workers? You know, we're hearing this um, within the state from our, our hospitals. We're seeing it across the country. You know, this is a workforce that has been taxed throughout this pandemic. We have asked them over and over and over again to show up for their patients, and they have, and we're tremendously grateful for that. But it is stressful. Um, it is taxing. Uh, you have to, you know, people are dealing with this stress at work at the same time that they're seeing the same disruption in their personal lives that we're all seeing. And so I think we're incredibly grateful for the work of our healthcare providers, and we need to continue to support them. And one of the best ways to do it is by ensuring that our hospitals don't get overwhelmed. And Krista, you wrote a letter to staff earlier this month about the critical situation at the hospital. And in it, you said staff's efforts have thus far been heroic, but that much more will be asked from them in the coming weeks. You also included a few lines from the beginning and end of a prayer attributed to Hopi elders. And it reads, you've been telling the people that this is the 11th hour. Now you must go back and tell the people that this is the hour. And there are things to be considered. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner. We are the ones we've been waiting for. And you ended with this. We've been preparing for what is to come. It will not be easy. We will continue to do everything in our power to care for those in our community who are coming to us in need. Krista, that's a, a very powerful message. How would you describe the efforts of your healthcare staff at Providence? Uh, absolutely heroic. Um, I uh, cannot be more thankful uh, for our caregivers. Um, every department in this hospital has been affected in one way or another. And I especially want to give um, special thanks to our infectious disease experts who have guided us through this since March, um, to our emergency department, uh, who is really our front door, to our critical care, who have seen some incredible challenges, and to our inpatient departments um, for just truly stepping up stepping in and taking incredible care of our community. I am humbled to work with such expertise and compassion. And Becky, I understand that some healthcare workers were impacted by the wildfires and actually lost their homes. Do you have any stories that you've heard about that? You know, we had uh, caregivers lose their homes in several communities throughout the state. Um, you know, it's really been a tough year as Oregonians. We all know that uh, we faced the pandemic um, then we faced these his historic wildfires and unfortunately you know many people lost their homes and some of those people were were frontline caregivers so you know there's there's not a lot you can do but we set up a, a relief fund and hopefully we'll be able to distribute that that money here uh, soon for healthcare workers who who lost everything just because we are so thankful for all the efforts that they have made above and beyond this year Krista, we heard early in the pandemic that there was a shortage of personal protective equipment, PPE. Is that satisfactory now? Yes, uh, we um, have been doing fine with our personal protective equipment. And is that what you're hearing, Becky, at hospitals across the state now? Yeah, we're, we're not in the same situation we were in in the spring. I think we, we know a lot more about the virus. We understand the protocols that we're under now and that they're effective. And so uh, the situation is much improved over the spring when I think there was a lot of fear uh, just because of the unknown and because we had protocols that were changing fairly regularly. So it has stabilized uh, significantly. We have about 30 seconds each for you for a final thought that you would like to leave with our viewers. We'll begin with, with you, Krista. Well, thank you. I appreciate um, the time today and um, 
the caring for our caregivers. Uh, we've really, um, you know, had just incredible teams come together uh, in response. And I know we're going to continue this great work. Um, you know, in the beginning of this pandemic, we really had, uh, you know, the community behind us in, um, in our healthcare heroes. And um, we want uh, you to be our heroes um, and continue to mask, social distance, and wash your hands. Um, and we look forward to all the, the hope in the future of the vaccine. Thank you. And Becky, 30 seconds for a final thought. Yeah, even a few short months ago, we didn't know if how effective a vaccine would be. We had the, the hope of a vaccine, but we really didn't, didn't know, didn't have the data on whether a vaccine was going to be highly effective. Now we know, we know that if we hang on for a few more months and do the kinds of things that will keep our, keep our families safe and keep our communities safe, that there is light at the end of this tunnel. Thank you for that message of hope. Thank you so much, Becky and Christopher, joining us. Thank you for all you do. And to all of our healthcare workers, we appreciate you so much. And thank you for watching and listening to Straight Talk. You can download our podcast wherever you get podcasts. Just search for KGW Straight Talk. Join me next week when my guest is Senator Jeff Merkley. Have a great week. Happy holidays and stay safe.